Well, good morning. It is good to see all of you out this morning. We're glad that you're here with us. Uh, we did have some printer issues, more so with the ink. I knew the ink was out. And so he ordered some more ink. And I put the ink in. And you can see it came out black and white instead. But you got most of the bulletin at least. And you do have the sermon notes. So you at least got something to go along with as far as the sermon goes. Uh, and we'll, we'll have to work on the, the printer problems later, I guess. But anyway, it is good to see you. And uh, I'm glad that I had the opportunity to be able to present another lesson to you. Today is our third lesson in the book of Numbers. And hopefully I plan to make this a four-lesson deal. So we'll have one more lesson, Lord willing, next week if everything goes well. And uh, then we'll move on to the book of Deuteronomy. Uh, I've had a couple of people at work that have asked me, what are you preaching on? And I've told them, and they're like, can you really make a sermon out of numbers? Well, we've got four planned. And there are some good things that are found in each and every one of them. I think uh, last week's lesson was probably the best out of all of them. But today we are continuing in the wanderings. Just to give you another, uh, just to give you a brief outline of numbers. We've been through preparations for the wilderness in chapters 1 through chapter 10 and verse 10. We've been through the wanderings. Or we started in them last week in chapter 10 verse 11. And this week we're picking up in about uh, chapters 15 and 16. And we'll continue into chapter 21 and verse 35. Next week, Lord willing, we'll get into the Balaam incident in chapters 22 through 25. And then we'll close out with preparation to enter Canaan in chapters 26 through 36. Thus far, the numberings of the people and the encampment of Israelites is what we've been focusing on. Uh, we looked at uh, how the people were numbered. They're going to be numbered one more time uh, as we get uh, closer to them entering into Canaan. And we have the wanderings. The desire of the people to return to Egypt. We keep going back and forth and we'll continue to do so in these next few chapters that we're looking at today. There's that constant desire for them to go back to Egypt. To go back to what they had formerly enjoyed. Enjoyed being used loosely because we know that they were laboring very hard because of Pharaoh and how he treated the people of Israel. He was afraid of them. He was afraid that they would grow. He was afraid that they would grow in number, that, that, uh, that, that they would be so large that they could overcome the Egyptians. And so he pushed them into hard labor, and they desired for a long time to come out of that, to come out of their bondage, and when they did, they kept wanting to go back. We looked at the sending of the spies into Canaan. And we also looked at the, at the defeat of Israel when they did decide to go into Canaan without God's blessing. It, it is something uh, of a tragedy that they decided to go into Canaan. After all this time, after all of this going in there and, and spying out the land, they came back with the report. Ten of the spies said, we can't do it. We can't beat these people. We can't overcome them. Joshua and Caleb, however, said, we can. We can do it. People believed the ten. They would not go in. 
And when they were punished, they decided, okay, now we'll go in. God didn't want them to go in at that point. And they were defeated. They were not able to take the land of Canaan. Today's lesson is going to look at the sign of the priesthood. Uh, Basically, the people uh, come against Moses and Aaron. We're going to see that today. We're also going to look at the bronze serpent, something that I think we are familiar with and something that that, uh, we can find also in the New Testament and find some symbolism in the New Testament. But we begin by looking at uh, the sign of the priesthood. And so we pick up in Numbers chapter 16. Numbers chapter 16, and we'll begin reading at verse 1. Numbers 16 and verse 1. Now Korah, the son of Izhar, the son of Kohath, the son of Levi, with Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, and On, the son of Peleth, sons of Reuben, took men. And they rose up before Moses with some of the children of Israel, 250 leaders of the congregation, representatives of the congregation, men of renown. They gathered together against Moses and Aaron and said to them, You take too much upon yourselves, for all the congregation is holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Why then do you exalt yourselves above the assembly of the Lord? Basically what they were saying is is that these had been leading. Moses and Aaron had been leading the people. And the idea, the consensus that they have come to, the, the agreement that they've come to, is that we're all alike. We're all just alike in God's eyes and we can all do these things that you're doing. In number 16, we read of Moses' reply in verse 6. Do this. Take censers, Korah, and all your company. Put fire in them and put incense in them before the Lord tomorrow. And it shall be that the man whom the Lord chooses is the Holy One. You take too much upon yourselves, you sons of Levi. Verse 8, Then Moses said to Korah, Hear now, you sons of Levi, is it a small thing to you that the God of Israel has separated you from the congregation of Israel to bring you near to Himself, to do the work of the tabernacle of the Lord, and to stand before the congregation to serve them, and that He has brought you near to Himself, you and all your brethren, the sons of Levi with you. And are you seeking the priesthood also? Therefore you and all your company are gathered together against the Lord. And what is Aaron? That you complain against him. Moses sent to call Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab. But they said, We will not come up. Is it a small thing that you have brought us up out of a land flowing with milk and honey? Egypt. To kill us in the wilderness? That you should keep acting like a prince over us? Moreover, you have not brought us into a land flowing with milk and honey, nor given us inheritance of fields and vineyards. Will you put out the eyes of these men? Will you not come up? In verse 15, Then Moses was very angry and said to the Lord, Do not respect their offering. I have not taken one donkey from them, nor have I hurt one of them. They felt that Moses and Aaron had misused them in some way. The tribe of Levi alone had been set aside, set apart, 
from the rest of the tribes of Israel. And yet they are rebelling against Moses and Aaron. We pick up in verse 19. And Korah gathered all the congregation against them at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Then the glory of the Lord appeared to all the congregation. And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, Separate yourselves from among this congregation that I may consume them in a moment. And they fell on their faces and said, O God, the God of the spirits of all flesh, shall one man sin and you be angry with all the congregation? So the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the congregation saying, Get away from the tents of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. And Moses rose and went to Dathan and Abiram. And the elders of Israel followed him. And he spoke to the congregation, saying, Depart now from the tents of these wicked men. Touch nothing of theirs, lest you be consumed in all their sin. So they got away from around the tents of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. And Dathan and Abiram came out and stood at the door of their tents with their wives, their sons, and their little children. In verse 31, Now it came to pass as he finished speaking all these words that the ground split apart under them and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up with their households and all the men with Korah, with all their goods. So they and all those with them went down alive into the pit. The earth closed over them and they perished from among the assembly. And all Israel who were around them fled at their cry. For they said, Lest the earth swallow us up also. And the fire came out from the Lord and consumed the 250 men who were offering incense. God was proving to the people that He had chosen Moses and Aaron, that Moses and Aaron were to lead them, and no other could do what they were doing. It's almost something out of a storybook or maybe out of a movie that we would see them consumed by the ground. But that is exactly what happened. The first sign to the people that Moses and Aaron were to lead them was the death of the 250 men offering incense. We also read later on in chapter 16 of a plague that was inflicted upon the people. Beginning with verse 41. On the next day all the congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron, saying, You've killed the people of the Lord. Now it happened when the congregation had gathered against Moses and Aaron that they turned toward the tabernacle of meeting and suddenly the cloud covered it. And the glory of the Lord appeared. Then Moses and Aaron came before the tabernacle of meeting. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Get away from among this congregation, that I may consume them in a moment. They fell on their faces. So Moses said to Aaron, Take a censer, put fire in it from the altar, put incense on it, and take it quickly to the congregation, and make atonement for them. For wrath has gone out from the Lord. The plague has begun. Then Aaron took it as Moses commanded and ran into the midst of the assembly and already the plague had begun among the people. So he put in the incense and made atonement for the people and he stood between the dead and the living. So the plague was stopped. Now those who died in the plague were 14,700 besides those who died 
and the Korah incident. So Aaron returned to Moses at the door of the tabernacle of meeting for the plague had stopped. People still didn't understand that Moses and Aaron were chosen by God for a very special purpose and they stood against them once more and the plague killed 14,700 in addition to the 250 who had already died. And as we come into chapter 17, we have an unquestionable sign. Uh, again, another something that we are familiar with from even studies in the New Testament. In Numbers 17, beginning with verse 1, Numbers 17 and verse 1, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, and get from them a rod from each father's house, all their leaders according to their father's houses, twelve rods. Write each man's name on his rod, and you shall write Aaron's name on the rod of Levi. For there shall be one rod for the head of each father's house. Then you shall place them in the tabernacle of meeting before the, the testimony where I meet with you. And it shall be that the rod of the man whom I cho choose will blossom. Thus I will rid myself of the complaints of the children of Israel which they make against you. So Moses spoke to the children of Israel and each of their leaders gave him a rod apiece. For each leader according to their, their father's houses twelve rods. And the rod of Aaron was among their rods. Moses placed the rods before the Lord in the tabernacle of witness. Now it came to pass on the next day that Moses went into the tabernacle of witness and behold the rod of Aaron of the house of Levi had sprouted and put forth buds had produced blossoms and yielded ripe almonds. Then Moses brought out all the rods from before the Lord to all the children of Israel. And they looked, and each man took his rod. The Lord said to Moses, Bring Aaron's rod back before the testimony to be kept as a sign against the rebels, that you may put their complaints away from me, lest they die. Aaron's rod was used as a sign and as a reminder to Israel that again Moses and Aaron were God's chosen servants. This rod was also kept. It was kept uh, for a very special purpose of remembering inside of the Ark of the Covenant or the Ark of Testimony. In Hebrews 9 verses 3 and 4 Hebrews 9, verses 3 and 4. And behind the second veil, the part of the tabernacle which is called the holiest of all, which had the golden censer and the ark of the covenant overlaid on all sides with gold, in which were the golden pot that had the manna, Aaron's rod that budded, and the tablets of the covenant. These three items seem to be of the most special purpose of remembering. The manna was a reminder that God provided for His people even when they couldn't provide for themselves and even when they didn't put their full trust in Him. We have Aaron's rod that budded as a reminder of Aaron's being chosen as high priest. 
We have the tablets of the covenant, the law of the people, that they were to remember always. And then we come a little further in Numbers to chapter 20. Numbers chapter 20. And here we read of Moses' error. In Numbers 20, beginning with verse 1, Then the children of Israel, the whole congregation, came into the wilderness of Zin in the first month. And the people stayed in Kadesh. And Miriam died there and was buried there. Now there was no water for the congregation, so they gathered together against Moses and Aaron. The people contended with Moses and spoke, saying, If only we had died when our brethren died before the Lord. Why have you brought up the assembly of the Lord into this wilderness, that we and our animals should die here? And why have you made us come up out of Egypt to bring us to this evil place? It is not a place of grain or figs or vines or pomegranates, nor is there any water to drink. So Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly to the door of the tabernacle of meeting, and they fell on their faces, and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. Verse 7, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take the rod, you and your brother Aaron, gather the congregation together, speak to the rock before their eyes, and it will yield its water. Thus you shall bring water for them out of the rock, and give drink to the congregation and their animals. So Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him. Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock, and he said to them, Here now, you rebels, must we bring water for you out of this rock? And Moses lifted his hand and struck the rock twice with his rod. And the water came out abundantly, and the congregation and their animals drank. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not believe me, to hallow me in the eyes of the children of Israel. Therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given them. This was the water of Meribah, because the children of Israel contended with the Lord. And he was hallowed among them. There is a similar incident in Exodus chapter 17 where Moses was told to strike a rock. And he struck the rock and water came out for the people to drink. On this occasion we find though that this is a different incident completely. Even the placing is different. One is in the wilderness of sin and the other is in the wilderness of Zen with a Z. And we find that God's command to Moses was different. This time he told him to speak to the rock. Moses instead struck it twice. And you might think, well, all is well and good because water was supplied for the people. But Moses had still done wrong. God in His mercy provided for the people. But Moses did wrong in striking the rock that he was supposed to speak to. And because Moses did not do as the Lord had commanded, which was his great error, he would not be permitted to enter the land of Canaan their promised land. It cost him. It seems to be one mistake and a bunch of good things that he did, but it was a very, very grave mistake. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 4, and you can look at it on your own time, 
But we find that the rock was symbolic of Christ. And maybe that was the, the error. Maybe that was why God told him to speak to the rock instead of striking it. And maybe why he's punished. In the latter part of chapter 20, we read of Aaron's death and the passing of the priesthood uh, as the high priest to Eleazar, his son. But I want us to move on to chapter 21. Let's move on to chapter 21. Numbers 21, and let's begin reading at verse 4. Then they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And the soul of the people became very discouraged on the way. The people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and our soul loathes this worthless bread. So the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and many of the people of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he may take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. The Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and it shall be that everyone who is bitten, when, the, when he looks at it, shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and put it on a pole, and so it was. If a serpent had bitten anyone, when he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. Again, we see the people complaining against God and against Moses. Their desire to return to Egypt was once again renewed. And so, as we look at, at what is going on here, we see that God, God sends serpents upon them. And to be saved from the serpents, the people were, were required to put their faith in God, doing as He instructed them through Moses. And what were they instructed to do? They were instructed to look upon a fiery serpent constructed by Moses, placed on a pole. The bronze serpent, as we find out in the New Testament, is a type of Christ. It is a type of Christ. In John chapter 3, verses 14 and 15, John 3, verses 14 and 15, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. As we picture this bronze serpent, placed on a pole and lifted up before the people. And when they look up at this bronze serpent, they can be saved. We are reminded of Jesus, the greatest sacrifice ever made, the one who gave himself for you and me. Jesus was taken by the Jews. He was beaten and scourged. He was nailed to a cross. 
He was nailed to a cross and he was lifted up all the people to see. A, a very humiliating way to die for anyone. Meant for criminals, even though Jesus had done no wrong. But Jesus was lifted up on a cross. Similar to the lifting up of the serpent. And as Israel was saved from the serpents by their faith, and not just by their faith, but they actually had to do something too. And so their faith led them to repentance. And they realized they're wrong, and they also obeyed God to look up to that fiery serpent so that they could be saved. So they were saved. They were saved by their faith, repentance, and obedience. And as Israel was saved from the serpents by their faith, repentance, and obedience, so God's people today are saved from their sins in the same way. Faith, repentance, and obedience. What was required of Israel is also required of us. The Jews, the same ones that had, had put Jesus on the cross in the first place. When Peter preached his great sermon in Acts chapter 2, they said, men and brethren, what shall we do in verse 37? And how did Peter answer them? And Peter said to them in verse 38, repent. And let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. Faith. They already, uh, had already demonstrated their faith in asking the question, what shall we do? Repentance. They were told to repent. To change their heart their minds, and also change their actions, change their life, and be baptized. Let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Why? For the remission of sins, for salvation. Faith, repentance, and obedience. I'm going back to John chapter 3. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through Him might be saved. How are we saved? In the same way that Peter told the Jews. Repent. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission, for the forgiveness of your sins. The remainder of chapter 21 details the encampment of Israel and the defeat of their enemies, King Sihon and King Og, 
as we read in verses 21 through 35 of Numbers chapter 21. And that gets us through the wanderings. And so we'll pick up there next week. Verse 20, or chapter 22. I hope that we are learning lessons from Israel. And I do think that there are some important lessons that we can learn. One lesson that we can learn from our lesson today is that we cannot remain in rebellion against God in sin. The people on multiple occasions rebelled against God and against Moses and Aaron. And we can't do that. We can't remain in rebellion whether it is uh, the, the fact that we have not obeyed the gospel, that we've not become Christians. If we've not become Christians, then we stand in rebellion against God in our sin. Or, or maybe it is that, that since becoming Christians, we have rebelled against Him in a lack of faithfulness and not continuing to do the things that He has commanded us to do. Faith, repentance, and obedience. Faith, repentance, and baptism. Those are the ways that we come out of our sin. Out of our rebellion against God. If we choose to remain in our sins, however, our end will be worse than that of Moses. You see, Moses was not able to enter the land of promise, but only allowed to see it. Before he died, he could see the land of promise, but it was Joshua that led the people into the land. doesn't mean that it, it cost Moses his eternity. God still loved him. God still cared for him, and that's evidenced in the fact that God was the only one with him when he died. And it was God that buried him. But if we remain in our sins, we too will fail to reach our land of promise. What we might refer to as spiritual Canaan. Heaven. And that is a promise that you do not want to miss out on. Unlike Moses, whereas Moses it affect how he it affected how he ended his life on earth. But if we remain in rebellion against God, it will affect not only our end on earth, but also the beginning of our eternity. Whatever that may be. Either heaven or hell. In John chapter 8, we're reminded of the sin of the Pharisees. John chapter 8, verse 21, Then Jesus said to them again, I am going away and you will seek me and will die in, and will die in your sin. 
Where I go, you cannot come. So the Jews said, Will he kill himself? Because he says, Where I go, you cannot come. And he said to them in verse 23, You are from beneath. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. Therefore I said to you that you will die in your sins. For if you do not believe that I am He, you will die in your sins. They did not believe that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. And because they didn't believe, they were not uh, they were not of the mind to follow anything that he said. The Pharisees lacked faith in Christ as the Son of God. Let me ask you, do you also lack faith in Christ as the Son of God? Is it that you never believed to the point of obedience? That your faith has never led you to repentance and baptism for the remission of your sins? That's the way that we're saved today. Maybe it is that you have obeyed the gospel but you've not remained faithful and maybe you need to come back. Maybe you need to ask for prayers. Maybe you need to ask for help in some way. We always offer the Lord's invitation to all those who may stand in rebellion against God. And maybe it's not a conscious rebellion. Maybe it's not a, a, a kind of rebellion where, where we're saying, I'm just going to stand against God no matter what. But if you stand outside of Christ today, you are in rebellion against God. We cannot stand against Him and inherit eternal life. It doesn't work that way. God cares for us. It's not a matter of His love. He, he did everything that He could for our salvation. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. He loved the world and He loves you. But He is a righteous and just God. And if we stand in rebellion against Him... We will face eternal punishment. And so, we offer the Lord's invitation for you today. Don't be like Israel. Don't be like the Pharisees. Don't stand against God. If you need to come to Christ today, then we give you the opportunity as together we stand and as we sing. Uh.